About Them Cowboys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. If you've ever seen the videos that John Mishota likes to post every game day at AT&T Stadium, a lot of people like to get there early and sprint for their seats. You know those standing room only tickets that Jerry likes to sell? If you're looking to go the cheap route, you don't have to get the standing room only tickets. Just hit up the Game Time app right before the game starts. Get those lower level seats, maybe those mid-level seats at the best prices on the house, courtesy of the Game Time app. It's super simple. Two taps, you're in the game. Maybe you're taking the kids to see Frozen on Ice, God forbid. Hit up the Game Time app. It's quick, simple, and easy to use. Download in the App Store now or Google Play and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. struggling so far in the first half is it because of weather or the opposing defenses i would go with both but when there's weather conditions like this good defenses need to become great and let me tell you it's advantage patriots anytime there's weather you want to know why the patriots practice in any conditions if it's rain if it's snow if it's a hundred degrees if it's four degrees it does not matter coach belichick is making you go out on that practice field and he's making you show up on time even if there's a blizzard at 7 a.m and let me tell you this if there's a little rain in dallas a little snow in dallas Jerry Jones comes down and say, oh, do you guys want to practice in the bubble today? <laughs> well, that's why it's Advantage Patriots, and that's why they're kicking butt today versus the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> now, I love that guy. Good job. Good job. We're breaking you in. Nice job. And I'll follow them The only thing I've got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, that sucked. England holds on at home in the rain as the cows slipped, doinked, and apparently tripped their way to their fifth loss of the season as Dallas heads home to host America's other team, the Buffalo Bills, on Thanksgiving. Hello and welcome to another overreaction-filled post-game edition of About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, the grief cargo of the podcast, as I welcome in our Dallas Cowboys Mandalorians here at The Athletic who never let a story get away. First, he's joining us from that rainy planet you can see at the end of the new Star Wars trailer. You know that one where Rey and Kylo Ren are fighting and it's raining really hard? I think it's like a crashed Death Star and it looks pretty awesome. Well, he is our father. It's Father John Mishoda. Hey, John. Hi, guys. Good to have you, man. I, uh, I'm glad you made it out of the monsoon. It was terrible. Seriously, walking around the stadium before the game, awful. I can't believe the fact that people pay to go to that type of game. And and you have you have all these high hopes of this great game and then you get that thing? Yeah. I'm I'm all for team dome. I'm all I'm only domes. We we need more domes. Uh and I'm I'm actually shocked they don't have one up there, but uh and back again. Man. He's the Jedi master of all things Cowboys. It's Brian Broadus. Welcome back, Brian. Hey, boys. Good to be back with you. Yeah, John, I wasn't walking around with you up there, but to me, I thought that was a great conditions for a football game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always two sides of the coin. It's either you want it to be two degrees or you want no conditions at all. And I'm under. Yeah, that's, that's all those years of being up in Green Bay. Yeah. That's that's my Green Bay coming out of me right there. But uh, 
No, I thought the, I kind of I kind of was a, I was a fan of the conditions for this thing, John. I'm sorry you had to walk around in it though. <laughs> Man, last but not least, it's the baby Yoda of the podcast. It's Kevin KT Turner and KT. We could go a ton of different directions with this thing, um, but I'm so daggum mad at the mediocre coaching that I can barely get my words out right now. So please just say something before I take the entire hour to myself. Yeah, I'll fire away. Um, so special teams have been a problem pretty much all year long. You had lost a game because, uh, let's say, your run defense. Let's go to the Green Bay game. Maybe you lost a game because you couldn't get the offense going and turnovers, the Saints game. Uh, you kind of knew that eventually special teams would cost you, and that's what cost you the game today more than anything. The special team sucked and has sucked all year, and uh, that's a pretty good way to get beat. So uh, you want to say you're a contender? Well, I'm gonna just looking at the Eagles' schedule. And the Eagles looked like dog crap today against the Seahawks. But I don't see how this team wins the division based on the games they have remaining, based on the games the Eagles have remaining, even though they look horrible. This is not a playoff team. I thought they were. I was wrong. Uh, you know, you can lose You can lose by four to the Patriots in Foxborough and go, oh, well, that's, man, four points to the Patriots. Uh, well, at some point, go win a game. And this is what Jason Garrett is, okay? His DNA is all over this team. It is a They are a walking embodiment of him. And you saw it in key situations today. You saw it with special teams today. Uh, I don't want to get into ref stuff because every team in the league gets screwed by the refs. There's a reason Jason Garrett is a way below 500 head coach against winning teams. He is not cut out for this job. And that's where I stand right now before we even talk about any specific details of the game. I'm pissed. This team gets outcoached time after time after time again for a full decade. We're all getting too old to be messing with this anymore. You know what's funny about that is that I feel like a lot of Cowboys fans feel the same way that you do, um, and but they thought for a long time that Jerry didn't share that feeling. But then after today, after after what he had to say outside the locker room and how critical he was, uh, I, I just really think that he's on board, and I think that that message is loud and clear that uh, for anybody that thought, ah, uh, maybe they're just going to keep Jason Garrett regardless of how the season ends, uh, it certainly doesn't sound like that. I mean... I was talking to some guys that have covered the team a lot longer than I have who were saying they've never heard Jerry be as critical as he was after the game. Now, he didn't say uh, Jason Garrett's name specifically. He didn't say special teams coordinator Keith O'Quinn's name specifically. But his anger and his shots at the coaching staff were very clear. He thinks this is a very talented roster, and he's mentioned that several times after games. But this is the first time where he's repeatedly talked about being out coached and how uh, this coaching staff uh, you know, let this team down. And so moving forward, it's going to be real interesting to see where they go from here. I, I, I will say, I don't. I still think they could win this division, but I just don't know how anybody can watch this team and think that they're going to make some playoff run and beat good teams consistently to win multiple playoff games. And if that doesn't happen, then Jason Garrett isn't back next year. Yeah, this team has a real hard time when it comes to playing complete games. You know, and early in the season, we saw them with some some better efforts. You know, they got some wins, but when you line them up against the really good teams and, you know, some of these teams they've played, you know, haven't been at full strength. And I think that's where Jerry Jones came into this game, kind of looking at new England and saying, wait a minute now, new England, not doing as well on offense, Tom Brady, not looking the same. Where are the real weapons here? You know, obviously they went into this game, you know, and Jerry Jones, one of his, I think best traits he has in the years I've worked for him is he was always a really very good listener. And, you know, he's listening to Jason Garrett tell him 
you know something about the game plan. He's listening to Kellen Moore. He's listening to Keith, uh, Chris Richard, to Keith O'Quinn. He's listening to these guys tell him this is going to happen this way, or we're going to go in and do it this way. And you know, he felt like that this was a winnable game. He did. And you know, you you look at you know, there's some people that are saying, and I know last week on the podcast, I was the only guy that felt like that Dallas had a chance in this game. But you know what? Tom Brady didn't play great in this football game. You know, defensively was what won the football game for them, I think. And then, you know, to keep the Cowboys' best player in check in Dak Prescott. You know, I mean, and you talk about Amari Cooper. They couldn't get him going in the game. But a lot of this falls on Dak Prescott. Now, if you're going to call him an MVP, you know, you better find a way to say, okay, when it's not as good, you know, give him the criticism as well. And Dak will always stand up there and take a – He'll fall on the sword for the team. He'll say, hey, I have to do better. I have to do this. In this case, he really did. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about contract extensions, uh, you know, and you're talking about the, the type of player that, you know, they want him to be and think he could be, well, then you got to go out there and find a way to get things done in conditions that were, were pretty bad for both teams, you know. But I, I feel like, though, that Jerry Jones, the reason he is so mad and upset is, that he honestly felt like this was a winnable game. And, uh, you know, for the most part, the way that New England played offensively, you know, it was a winnable game. You just could not get anything going. Uh, there was really nothing, uh, you know, I thought Ezekiel it played really well running the football. But, you know, where was where was really some creativity with the offense as far as running the football? I look back, I was talking about what the Ravens were able to do, you know, with the read option stuff. Dak, this is a game where Dak Prescott should have carried the ball 10, 12 times. You know, and and maybe and maybe created some problems, you know, for uh, the New England Patriots. But no, they went to you know they they tried to throw it a little bit, and it took him a you know it took him a couple of bad passes before he realized, well, wait a minute, I need to put on a glove. You know, I need to figure this out. I need to do something different. You know, and I it just seems like that's kind of the Dallas Cowboys story. I, I need to do something different and late to react. And uh, you know, that's they, I, I felt like that they. They lost a winnable game today because, again, you talk about coaching, special teams, and offensively, which has been their strength all year, uh, really did not uh, perform well enough. So we do this podcast twice a week, and we will you know, kind of run through some of the specifics of this game, but I want to broaden it out for just one second because at some point, what are you about as a football team? What are you about? What do we do here? What, what's our – who Is are this we? the identity question? Yeah, it's absolutely, it's an identity question. The identity is that this team's never going to be good enough with that man leading the charge. Okay, so because the there identity are situations that they have a bad head coach, is that the identity? It's a, it's a, it's not good enough. Okay. It's, it's a, I mean, I know the quarterback didn't play good enough today. The wide receiver looked disinterested. Amari Cooper sometimes looked disinterested. I'm not saying that he was, but he wasn't on the field all game long, and I think it's quite clear he's not 100%. Sure. But we're still doing some of the same things that we've been doing for years. Okay, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 there's, I mean, Jason Witten had two drops today. Yeah. Um, your special teams, I mean, there's the key. I mean, to me, yes, the Patriots' pass defense was very good today. Very good. But the special teams that block, they, they just, they outmaneuvered you. They outcoached you. And you know what? When it does came, come time to say, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to freaking go for it on fourth and seven. You know why? Because it's the closest I've been to the end zone all game long. And I need a touchdown to score anyways. And I don't know if I can reel off another 60-yard play. You know what? I'll take the field goal here because, oh, 
okay, I'll get a touchdown on the next drive. And your defense didn't get a stop fast enough. And I know it's on the players first. Sure. The reason the reason I'm talking about in this tone is because the Minnesota game, yeah. the Packers game, the Saints game, the Jets game. That's why I'm talking in this tone because it's BS, man. It's not good enough. This roster is good enough. This roster can go beat Seattle's uh, roster. This roster can go beat New Orleans roster, the Green Bay team that got murdered by San Francisco tonight. This roster can go play with them, but they just they don't have the right people pushing the buttons. And it's it's clear. It's so clear. And I, I know I'm, I'm trying not to be like over emotional about this thing, but there is no reason in this division and in this wide open conference that you're a six and five football team with this roster. Yeah, but there's no reason are, for KT. it. That, that's what they are. They're a six yeah. and five team. And and I talked about it on our last podcast about over evaluation. You know, coming out of training camp. You know, thinking that the linebackers, thinking that the secondary, thinking all these guys. You know, give up third and 20 play today, you know? I mean, come on, really? You know, need to get a stop? I mean, he's, you know, he trusted his defense to get a stop at the end of the game. Yeah, he got a stop, but it was, you know, after the the Patriots had kind of moved the ball a little bit, you know? He trusted, but he doesn't trust his quarterback. He didn't trust his quarterback to go make a play. You know, you're, you're right. I don't think Dak played great tonight, but you, but he surely didn't trust him. He's He's their best player. But he didn't trust yeah. him. And I, I understand the frustration of the fans. And I understand the frustration of, you know, everybody talking about Jason Garrett. I mean, I hate to say this, guys, but you're way behind me on this. Way behind <laughs> yeah. me on this. You know? So, you know, if, if you know, I, I didn't feel like he was the right guy for the job. The one thing I do respect Jason, about Jason Garrett is I do feel like that, though, he can evaluate players. I do feel like he can do that. But, you know, it was going to be about you were going to have to do something different in this football game to go out and win it. You were going to have to do something unconventionally that to go. And so they weren't going to win 21 straight games and you were going to beat Tom Brady and you were going to beat Bill Belichick. You were going to have to play this game differently. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And it came down to, well, the weather and this and that, you know, no, you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough in the weather. You didn't adjust well enough. You let your special teams beat you. And you trusted your defense to make a stop early instead of trusting your quarterback that's an MVP type of a player. So if you want to put on the coaching, yeah, go ahead. But, I, you know, again, you guys are way behind me on this. Way Yeah, for me. sure. Let's go uh, – let's kind of run through it real quick, and then we'll talk about some of the specifics. Uh, you know, teams trade possessions. The Cowboys' second possession – uh, they go ahead and move the ball pretty good. They get a false start on Tyron that really hurts him and it makes it a third and five into a third and ten. Dak has to scramble for four, and that sets up a field goal from 46 yards. And Kitten Garrison's favorite uh, Dallas Cowboy, Brett Maher, doinked it off the left upright. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go easy on Maher today because, honestly, he outperformed Nick Folk, who missed two field goals. So I'll go easy on Maher today. Not a, you know, In those conditions, 46 yards is going to be a tough kick no matter what. So I don't have any problems with that. I think you had some big penalties on Tyron Smith today. Huge. Um, and, you know, whether whatever you want to say about the trip, that hold late in the game I thought was probably one of the biggest penalties of the game. I know everyone's focused on the Travis Frederick trip. You know, I, my view, I don't know about you guys, my view on just refereeing is every team gets screwed by the refs. And maybe there's stats that won't back up what I just said. But, man, I – 
There's another team that I follow real closely as well. And I, I see them and the teams they're playing. I mean, I see all these teams. I sit and watch Red. I don't go to the games like John does and cover these things in the locker room, but I watch Red Zone for 10 hours every Sunday. <laughs> like, every team gets screwed by the refs. So I have a hard time blaming things on the refs when there's a lot of different things that you could, you know, you could say. But that was a huge penalty. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I was thinking at third and five, maybe you get four yards. If it's fourth and one, you can go for it, you know. But, you know, obviously it was, the Cowboys made it very clear early with the miss by Maher that, you know, special teams were going to be a problem no matter what today. You know, my problem is with the, with the penalty thing is, is that's fine in a lot of games and I can understand it when it comes down to that. But like when you're playing the heavyweight champ, like you don't just kind of yeah. maybe we'll, slip, we'll sneak by and we'll beat them. Like if you're going to beat the Patriots in Foxborough, you're going to beat them. And it's not going to come down to a call here or there. You're going to go out there and you're going to beat them. And you're going to make enough plays and you're going to win the game and you're going to leave no doubt about it. You're not going to get lucky and then steal one. I mean, that just not that was never going to happen. That doesn't happen. Yeah, I totally agree with you, John, right there. I mean, I, th- I felt like that, you know, they were going to have to find a way. I, you know, th- I've always had a problems with officials. Trust me, I, you know, my years of being in the league on the personnel side, front office, I always felt like these guys – they came in, you know, they make a call. Your life changes forever because you didn't win enough games. You know, guys get fired and all that. And these officials go on and wreck somebody else's life the next week, you know. But, you know, you're, I think you're absolutely right, though. I, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you these the, your best players just not making plays. You know, that I mean, that's I, – I can understand. I mean, you, you got to – you're looking at the situations – and you're saying Tyron Smith, three calls, Travis Frederick, a call there. You know, the drops by Jason Witten. I mean, your best players, you know, are not, and maybe Jason Witten's not one of your best players, but you're a player, he's a player you rely on. You know, this was this was more about, again, you know, the calls, yeah, take, you know, that's part of the game. But to me, I mean, they just didn't do enough to win this football game. They just did not do enough you know, enough consistently, you know, and, and every time that you want to buy in and believe, oh, they're going to you know, be better here. And, they're, they're, you know, Jason Garrett's line is always like, you know, oh, no, we need to we, we need to work on that. We need to talk about that. We need to we didn't communicate that well enough. You know, well, how do you how do you how do you let a guy block a punt their best special teams player block a punt? How do you let that happen? You know, how do you how do you not communicate? Uh, to your, your return man about move up. They're kicking the ball short. Move up. Maybe you get the ball, you catch it to the 18, and then you're running up the field and getting, you know, not starting it on your eight yard line. You know, these are all things. I mean, I just sit there and watch the game and I think, okay, yeah, they got great talent. But when it comes down to it, these guys just don't do enough to win these types of games. They weren't going to, you know, you can say about the officials, but they, they do not do enough. During a game, Jason Garrett being the top one does nothing to help his team win games like this that are tight and tough. It happened in Minnesota. It's happened in other places this year, like you talked about, KT. This was just another example of that. And, you know, the guy's not going to win enough games. And, you know, ultimately they're going to say, okay, your contract's up. We're going to move on from you. So, you know, if you're a fan of that, well, you're getting your wish right now. If you're a fan of a team you think is going to win the division and get in the playoffs, well, I have news for you. It's going to be a rough sledding when you, once you get in those playoffs. So what did you guys see on that blocked punt? Because here's what happened on that drive. You know, they had the Tyron tripping penalty, which was questionable. Um, you know, I think both tripping calls, 
you know, very questionable, but sure. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on that. We could do that uh, all day. But, you know, um, that made a second and 23, and they kind of had to give up on the drive because it, it did turn into a field position game. Uh, and it was, I think everyone understood that. Um, but then that did set up the punt. What, what did you guys see on that play? I mean, we know Matthew Slater's done this for years. I mean, that is the reason he's in the NFL, his ability to get in there and take the ball off the foot of the punter. But what did you guys see on that play? Looks like Joe Thomas had problems there. It looked like, you know, that Joe Thomas said they, you know, they rushed from that, they rushed from the Cowboys' left side. And it looks like, you know, the one thing that you cannot have happen is you cannot be when you're a when you're a blocker on the punt team, and this is trust me, an old deep snapper here talking to you. You know, everybody's got gaps, and you know, you protect to a gap, you step to a gap and all that. And, you know, it looked like to me that Joe Thomas got completely turned. I mean, he just got, you know, opened up and, you know, and and allowed Slater to get inside of him. And then he laid adjust and Slater just being an athlete, you know, a guy with awareness. You know, imagine that saying about a cowboy player having some awareness. Well, here's a Patriot player had great awareness, you know, and is able to get the block. But I, you know, I, I believe when it's all said and done, they're going to have a, a breach right there, uh, right over Joe Thomas, because it looked like that he got turned from from my uh, from my angle of it. Yeah, I kind of saw the same thing. What, what's really interesting about this to me is that so last week uh, when they were working on special teams drills. On, in the Friday practice, which is a special teams practice, uh, at least during the portion that we get to see. Uh, they specifically worked on stuff that the Lions did and uh, on the, something that the Lions ended up doing in the game was something that they worked on. And that's when Michael Bennett jumped off sides and it was a look that they actually practiced. And then so this week on Friday, there was there were players actually multiple days, Thursday and Friday, where there was a, a player wearing a yellow jersey with the 18 on it to simulate Matthew Slater because they knew how much of a problem that he was going to be. So it's not like they weren't prepared for these situations. And so that's why I think it's kind of interesting that it's like, it'd be one thing if they weren't practicing and stuff, but like we're only there for the first 15 minutes of practice. And like, this is back to back weeks where we've actually seen them work on something that has gone on in the game. And actually they've done it wrong after they've actually spent the extra time on it. Well, then that created, I mean, I think by, uh, by all accounts, that was the biggest play of the game. And then, you know, in a game where there were no touchdowns besides this one, that give the Patriots credit for finishing the drive because they get the ball in great field position there at the 12-yard line, and then rookie Nikhil Harry on a back shoulder throw gets both feet down on Byron Jones. I, I was not crazy about Nikhil Harry coming out of Arizona State, but if there's one thing that he could do, it is kind of use his body to win. And, you know, you see Byron get bodied up and – now, Byron is pretty good the whole day, okay? He was pretty good. Um, but it is interesting that while we're having these these talks about how what the Patriots did and you kind of compare both teams, man, their number one cornerback didn't allow anything. He pitched a shutout today, and our number one corner did give up the one touchdown in the game. So, I'm not let me, you can't just say Byron. this real quick. I want to be fair, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't understand why quarterbacks don't throw at Byron more, to be honest with you, because – I don't think like I, like I really think that they lucked out by not having Matthew Stafford play. Sure. But like he doesn't really get his hands on balls. And so he's a good cover guy and he can knock balls away. And, and, and very rarely are guys that he's covering wide open. But in terms of like that situation right there, where it's not like Nikhil Harry has really had much of an impact since they drafted him. 
It's one of those things where it's like, why not take a chance there and make him prove to you that he can intercept a pass or, or, or force a turnover? And I and just such a copycat league where these teams are watching guys week in and week out. Like, I don't, I just don't understand why. I, now, I will say that does factor in that obviously there's been big plays on Cheeto, and so maybe they look at that and they're like, hey, maybe there's more there. But like, when you have a guy that really isn't intercepting passes like that, I don't understand why you would be scared to throw that way. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing, though, other than last week, though, and I'm trying to think of some other games in my head where Cheeto was actually playing pretty well. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, if I'm doing the pro scouting report, I'm looking at, listen, at least 31 will compete. At least 31 will knock an occasional ball away. You know, at least 31 will get up on you. I, I don't know. I mean, other than last week, I, I, I don't see why – you know, I, I I understand why people do throw at a Wouzier. You know, I mean, I, I, to me, it, it's 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 really hit and miss with him. And you know, I think that's you know the one thing I was excited with Jordan Lewis. You know, being out there in coverage. You know, I was I was happy that he was going to get the chance to play against Edelman. And then they mixed it up one time. They put Byron Jones on Edelman. And he gave up a pass play. So, you know, maybe you're maybe you're right about that, John. But I. I I, I, if I'm pro scouting the, the Cowboys, I'm thinking I think it's easier throwing the ball at 24 than it is throwing the ball at 31. That's what I would tell my team uh, if I was doing advanced scouting. Hey, I always thought when the conversations about getting Jordan Lewis in the game, I was sitting there going, why is it about Anthony Brown? I think Anthony Brown could go play outside for Cheeto. Like he's the one member. And maybe oh, I Anthony called Brown. for that one time. Yeah, when I was working with DallasCowboys.com, yeah. I called for that. There, I think there was a point, it was a Minnesota game. Where I basically said, "Hey, you know, there comes a point in time where I might think about playing one over the other." You know, yeah, but that's not an option now with Anthony Brown being hurt. So sure. seven nothing right there, Patriots. Cowboys get it back. Third and two. There's a high snap from Travis. You hardly ever see that. Dak kind of panicked a little bit. He was trying to get the ball to Cooper on the shallow drag, but he underthrew him. It was a bad throw, but Gilmore had him blanketed and uh, gets the interception. Uh, what'd you guys see on that play? We'll start with you, John. So, okay. So I went to the Patriots locker room after the game because I just felt like I'm going to get a different perspective, obviously defending Super Bowl champs. And so, you know, I went over to Gilmore and, uh, he talked for a while, obviously he had a great game. Um, and he said it was just something where he just jumped the route. It was something that, uh, I think he's seen before and he kind of felt like he had a chance that he could win if he was matched up in that scenario and he was specifically asked if it was something where he was kind of baiting Dak and he said it wasn't he just said that he was just running stride for stride with him and then he said where the ball was put was kind of in a position where it was kind of 50 50 I could get it or maybe Amari gets it and then you know he makes that play and I mean I don't know if there's if there's a corner playing at a higher level than Stefan Gilmore I mean he nearly had another interception later in the game uh when they went to Witten in the end zone where he jumped a route there so um I think you just got to tip your cap to Stefan Gilmore. I mean, he's just, he's, he's an amazing player. I, and I specifically asked him, I go, did you expect to shut him down like that to not have any catches that he's like, Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I, I mean, he's a, he's a really great receiver, but I prepare, like I expect to do that to any receiver. I expect to shut them all down. And clearly in this game, I can't say it was every single snap, but most of the night it was Stefan Gilmore on Amari Cooper. And obviously he won that battle. Yeah, what you want to do, KT, and you know this because you've watched enough film with me, is I usually judge those cornerbacks that can go inside. You know, if you're a guy, if you're one of those guys that can run with receivers, deny the football going inside. We've seen so much nowadays with the slants and the in cuts and things like that where there's, there's separation 
and these these quarterbacks are hitting these receivers on the move, and then it turns into huge plays. And the one thing that Gilmore was able to do, I you know, I don't know if the snap, you know, threw the timing off of the play or not, but you know, Prescott just did not throw the ball very accurately right there. You know, I mean, I think Gilmore's being nice about where the placement was that it could have been a 50-50 ball, but you know, he's got to put that ball out front, you know, and give Amari a chance to to get it and go. But, you know, you got a guy like Gilmore who has the ability to not only mirror, but then to also run and then adjust and finish the way he did. Yeah, that just was a careless throw right there. You know, and, and Gilmore took advantage of him. So, you know, give him a lot of credit. There's a reason why he's one of the best corners in the league, because he has that ability to deny the ball from going inside. And there's a lot of corners in the league hey, that Brian, can't do Brian, that. Brian, real quick, I just wonder, is there anything that they did – Secondary wise, that surprised you, or did they kind of do kind of what you felt like that they put Gilmore there? And I'll tell you what, I, you know what, John, I, I really this is one of those defenses that I, when you watch this defense, especially the second, they tackle so well. I mean it. It seemed like there were a couple of times where you know the ball was to somebody to a receiver, time when and they had a chance and it was going to get up the field and. And man, lo and behold, there's a tackle right there on the spot, you know, and I, I was really the one thing that, that they showed was on film was how well they tackled. And, you know, you, you see why they put you in a lot of third down situations. Again, I'll I'll sit down this week and, you know, I, I only got a couple of days. I mean, to, to you know, until we're on to the next game, as, as Belichick would say, because, you know, this the Buffalo game will be here before you know it. But I promise you when I sit down, I'm going to see the, the New England Patriots doing what they do best and even. You know, with McCourty, the uh, the the you know being out of the game, they did a great job of covering up for their guys. They just, you know, the, you just don't see a lot of guys running open against these. I, I Prescott missed a pass. He threw that slant uh, to Gallup that was, you know, too far up the field. You know, he had him open, and that's very rare that you see that much separation in the secondary right there. You know, but he throws that slant, and it's in it. Gallup, it's like did Gallup finish the play? Did Gallup not completely run, or was the ball too wide? But I thought there was a little separation there, and I, again, that's something you don't very often see uh, from this uh, from this New England secondary. I was really surprised that Cobb was able to make the play like he did, you know, and and get as much out of that as hell. They almost knocked the ball out of his hands, you know. Uh, that's that's something that happened in the Cleveland game. I was watching tape of that game. You know, and 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 they were they, they you know you get a big run and all of a sudden they're they're knocking at the ball, knocking it loose and and getting it there. So you know even when they give up a, a big play, they're they're trying to make a big play to to make up for that. After that Gilmore interception, it's ten nothing. The Cowboys defense does a good job of holding to a field goal that was huge. And then Cowboys get the ball and then they go straight to the running game. Zeke and Pollard kind of get the ball into Patriots territory. Now you just mentioned Dak being inaccurate on that slant route to Gallup. Then it was that third and two play where Cobb was open for the first down and yeah. Dak just completely missed him. And that's before the glove. That's kind of where I want to go with this. The Cowboys would settle for the field goal. It makes it 10 to three, but you know, they had a chance to go get more there. If maybe they convert that first down to Cobb. It was kind of weird. You, normally you don't see in-game adjustments with a glove like that. Until, I mean, usually you'd see it a little earlier. It was, you know, about the second quarter before he put that glove on. And it seemed to help a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's something they tried in pregame or I'm not sure. But I want to combine that with something that, weirdly enough, on the TV broadcast, as you heard in the intro, 
at the halftime show, they ran it in Gronk and Gronk's a little incoherent and I'm not making him the, uh, you know, some, uh, some wordsmith that we should, we should all listen to what he says, but I thought this was interesting. He said, the big difference in this game is that Belichick makes these guys practice outside in the elements. He no does. No matter what. Yeah. He goes, and I, he goes, in Dallas, they go inside in the bubble. Now, to be fair, it's 70 degrees in DFW. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like they they have these conditions and they can simulate them. But I thought that was a very interesting thing, and I'm very shocked that I got something kind of intelligent from Gronk out of that. Because well, I thought it was a really good point, because Dak not switching to that glove until midway through the second quarter – Kind of, kind of some of the story of this game. Well, they they did Friday's temperature and weather in Dallas was not good at all. It was kind of comparable, so they could have practiced outside right. on Friday. But he does not want to. Jason Garrett does not want to break what his routine is, and that's Fridays they're always inside. So um, I thought that was interesting. I thought maybe they would go outside because of that. I will say, a couple of weeks ago, Dak worked with that glove, and uh, I asked him about it after practice, and he said that he doesn't do it very often. Uh, he Up until today, he had never really worn one throughout an entire game. Uh, I think he, I don't even know if he's ever worn one uh, on his throwing hand, I mean, uh, in a game before today anyway, but he at least had some work with it. And he said that if he needed to do it, he, he felt okay with it, but he wanted to get a little bit more comfortable. After the game today, he specifically said it was that throw to Cobb is, the, is when he knew he was like, I can't be, I, I just didn't have good grip on the ball. I, I got to change something up. And so that's when he said, hey, give me this glove. And then he started throwing on the sideline and it actually like worked well for him. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that's something he does going forward, but you, yeah, you look back at it now and you're like, yeah, he probably should have started the game like that. It just, he had, he'd never had experience doing that before, but I'm telling you, Jason Garrett, he just does not break away from his routine. And because of that, yeah, they practice outside, but it's generally just, you know, on Wednesdays and whatever the weather is that day, so be it. And then Thursday and Friday, they're inside. Whereas, I feel like Bill Belichick probably switches it up a lot more. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, if you're going to do the glove thing, you know, you got to be committed to it. That's one of those, you know, you you kind of, you know, either quarterbacks go with it to start the game or they just don't wear one at all. And, you know, John, I mean, you were the only one of us that was there at the game. So, I mean, we were looking at the field conditions and the weather conditions from a from afar, you know, and it looked like it was absolutely miserable. It looked like it was hard to hold the ball. It looked like to me, the officials did the best thing. Mike Pereira in the pregame show, uh, you know, told us that, you know, he that both teams, uh, you know, get ready, you know, 24, 25 footballs. And, you know, they were going to rotate those through, uh, you know, it seemed like every every play they were bringing in a dry ball and trying to keep it the best they could. But under those conditions, I, I just don't know why Dak Prescott didn't go out there in pregame and say, man, the way to go today is throwing the glove. Use the glove that. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I will say this. Um, it was not as bad during pregame, and so it did progressively get worse throughout the game. Because in pregame, it was funny because I posted a video and I said Dak's throwing the ball pretty well. The, the weather doesn't seem to be bothering him too much. And so after that, I posted that video, like second quarter, or whatever. Someone, you know, people are making fun of me, saying, "Yeah, looks like it's working out really well for him." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's because the weather is getting worse. Like the rain right. just kept picking up and it was blowing even harder." But you know, what's the craziest part about all this. We get back from the locker room and it's like completely done raining and it didn't rain yeah. the rest of the time I was up in the press box after the game. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm maybe this is kind of my role in this podcast now is a, a couple of observations from the TV broadcast because I know you guys probably weren't able to follow that because of your duties today. 
right when the game started, Aaron Andrews goes, yeah, and it's going to get worse in the next 30 <laughs> minutes, right when the game starts. And it was true. She was all over it. And one thing that I thought was interesting is Troy said, he goes, man, he goes, back in my day, I would not have had a chance in these applying conditions. Sure. He goes, I, I, I would not have had a chance at all. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting when we're like, uh, see, so I'm not, I'm not c- cutting Dak any breaks or anything. Tom Brady wasn't great today either. But like when someone like Troy Aikman goes, I wouldn't have had a chance in these conditions. I would sit there and go, yeah, maybe, maybe the quarterback's not directly in my line of fire today. Uh, when it comes to talking about this game, well, this is this, um, yeah, this goes back though, KT. You talk about you know maybe the game plan needed to be altered in a way of okay. The, 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 I mentioned the college offense, you know, the pistol, the the read yeah. option stuff. You know, there was a couple of times I'm watching the game in studio and I'm going. He's going to pull this ball and run, right? He's going to pull and run, you know, and maybe they would have gotten some better down and distance situations. I mean, I just sat there and watched the Ravens just basically slow down this Patriot defense by playing with, you know, playing a college style offense. And I mean, college with the the RPOs, the read option stuff that, you know, I mean, just things to be a little bit different. I felt like that, you know, Kellen Moore, it was, you know, and again, you can say, oh, well, a bad game plan. He didn't do this, didn't do that. You know, but to me, I just, if I see a team beat another team and really dominate the other team on tape, I'm trying to pull some of those plays and say, okay, let's see you stop this play. Let's see you, I, let me prove to me you could stop this play. But Brian, you know, Brian, I, this might have been the game. Brian, this might have been the game where Dak Prescott, instead of throwing, you know, uh, all the times. And, and again, I felt like he had to throw the ball, have a little success throwing that football, but maybe the conditions dictated more of a, okay, let's, let's run it with Zeke. Let's run it with Zeke. Okay. Let's pull it, you know, or well, let's throw a little, little pop pass here, or do something, you know, something to kind of be a little bit different and, and maybe, you know, and, and give them a little bit of a, a different look, especially in these conditions. But, but didn't you think that that was going to happen, though? Because I agree with you completely. But on that second series, that was the, the only carry that Dak had. But I thought when they did that and he kept it, and I think got like four yards or whatever, I thought that's exactly what was about to happen. I thought it was going to be one of those games where he does run it like eight to ten times and, and that would keep going. And then we never saw it again. No. Yeah, it, that, was, yeah. that wasn't a designed run either. That was a third and ten, there's nothing there, tuck it and run. Can I, can I, can I be reckless for a minute, guys? Sure. Yes. Okay. So if we are get very reckless, so I want to be be clear. If you guys think I'm an idiot or just disregard what I'm saying here, but there was a play in the second half where they were trying to run an option, and they had horrible pitch integrity, and he pitched the ball to Zeke. When it was an amazing play. Yeah. yeah. Zeke made it. Is amazing. there anything going on with Dak? Maybe not wanting to take hits because perhaps he doesn't have a contract. I think that's reckless. <laughs> it's very reckless. All right, yeah. just throwing it out there. I would there. call that reckless. Because I tell you what, if I, I tell you what, I probably wouldn't want to take an extra hit or uh, get hurt and cost me, uh, I don't know, no, hundreds, I, you hundreds know what? of millions I, to of me, dollars. To me, Dak Prescott has always been a guy that will do whatever he has to do to win a game. So I agree. I, I understand what you're going with, KT. But I, nah, you know, I starting stuff. You know the the ball the ball he kept running when he when he would hand the ball inside. It was like it was. Inside handoff, inside handoff. It, I think there was one series where they ran the ball. I think you were, were talking about KT ran the ball. I think six straight plays to get yeah. it down. Yeah, and then and then you know and then got stopped. But they ran the ball six straight times, and every time they ran it, I was thinking he's going to pull it. He's going to pull this one. He's going to pull. And again, this might have been that game 
where you needed him. I mean, I, I again, I saw Lamar Jackson just really just freeze this New England defense. Made him made him play slow with the way that he was, you know, was way he was, you know, faking the football or giving the football off. So I was expecting some of that in this game, and to to not see it, I, I was I was a little bit like, uh, okay, why, why, why would you not? Even the conditions to me dictated. And I know, uh, you know, there was some people like, well, go ahead and run the ball. Go ahead and run the ball. Yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But, you know, I also was like, okay, you could throw the ball a bit, but maybe you could have set some of that stuff up with some, with some more Dak running the football. I, I, that's just kind of something yeah. I felt like they left, on the, they left that out on the field. Hey, KT, I, my, I just I the point I wanted to add is I really do think that a big part of it, and this is just from stuff that he hasn't said this specifically, but it just like kind of – putting everything together this whole season of all the times I've been around him in the locker room is that he really feels like these are the best weapons he's ever had in his life and that he wants to utilize those guys down the field because he really feels like genuinely like with between Cobb and Gallup and, and Amari that they can always make something happen. And I think, and then obviously you have Witten coming back and then they trust Zeke, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield and obviously Jarwin and Tony Pollard and that I think that he just believes that they can make bigger plays down the field then let's say it's not like he's at Mississippi State and he can just run all over the place. Like I think he feels strongly about, sure. and then that's why he's putting all that work in the off season uh, with all the throwing mechanics and things like that. Like he really wants to show that he can win from the pocket, and, and because they have the weapons that they do, I think that's that's a big factor in it as well. To me, he has shown that too. I mean, I think really the second half of last year kind of showed that he can do that. It's just it, it does become difficult. When Amari Cooper's not 100%, it becomes difficult when Amari Cooper's playing against, you know, Stephon Gilmore, I think we could say right now is probably the best cornerback in football, or at least it's arguable at least. Um, so what happens there, though, is the Cowboys have to settle for the field goal 10-6. Patriots miss a field goal. We go to halftime 10-6. Yeah, um, hell, hell of a play, by the way. Hell of a play by uh, Jalen Smith right there to keep that, you know, it was third and seven, and he makes a stop. Yep. To make it fourth and one to make them have to kick that field goal. So hell of a play on his part right there. And there was another play on that drive by Jordan Lewis with really good coverage on Edelman to to kind of shut things down a little bit. So uh 10-6. We go to the second half. I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit just uh, for the sake of time. Cowboys, this is the final possession of the third quarter. Got the ball in the 20, and they drive a little bit. Um it's a third and nine, and Dak to Gallup for 11. Then they have a third and three, hits Cooper for a first down, but we get a holding on Tyron that brings it back to third and 13. And then they miss uh, trying to get it to Tavon Austin, so they're forced to punt. Well, the Patriots are kind of messing around like they're going to send everyone and try to block it again, and the Cowboys take a delay of game, push it back for five yards. Then they punt, and it's a great putt by Chris Jones. It's downed at the 18-yard line. But then there's an illegal motion on Vintel Bryant, uh, and the Cowboys have to punt it again. And they punt it to, I think the Patriots get the ball at the 38. So essentially, that penalty right there cost you 20 yards of field position. Yeah. And what we were calling a field position game, I thought that was huge. Because what the Patriots did with that is they had a 12-play drive that was only 38 yards, but it was still 12 plays. And they were able to get in field goal range, kick the field goal, and make it 13-6. to KT? They didn't get enough yards in that drive 
you know, if that's a 15 play drive for 50 yards, they're still not in field goal range. That was to me a huge sequence in that game, the tyrant hold and then those special teams penalties. Well, it just shows you the fine line this team runs at times, you know? I mean, it really does. If they, you know, they just, they just can't overcome penalties. You know, they, it, just when they do something right way and, you know, they, you know, Garrett in the post game, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, was talking about, you know, oh, we got a look where they had nobody deep, and we wanted to talk about it. We were, you know, we were confused. Well, you know, they got three special teams coaches on the field. You know, they got. I mean, what, what is, what is the problem right there? What you know, and then, you know, how do you not able to adjust as you're going along there? You know, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's unfortunate that you know when you need your coaches to find a way to to be a difference maker in the game they look like the keystone cops out there pardon the expression but that's you know they look confused they look out coached you know Belichick doesn't put a guy back there or what does that tell you they're going to rush they're going to rush 11 here you know okay well what what you know we'll make your adjustments snap the ball and go but it's like it's like they it's like they were trying to force the Cowboys into using a timeout is what they want. You know, it's like they it's like they were it's like Belichick was saying, OK, I'm going to give you a look here and make you use a timeout because you're not sure what I'm doing, you know, but they took the delay and then they got the motion. And again, this is this is all about, you know, coaching, sideline management. What the hell are we doing kind of thing? You know, as Garrett you know, managing the game, you know, they they. They, they, they just it, it just appeared they just weren't ready for something like that to happen during the football game. And, you know, ultimately, like you said, KT, it costs you field position and it costs you some. And, and the owner completely agrees with both of you guys, because he's that was the area of the team that he was the most pissed off with after this game. I and mean, he said this is a quote from him. He said to me, special teams is 100 percent coaching. It's 100 percent coaching. It's strategy. It's having players ready. Special teams is nothing but coaching. Special teams is effort. Special teams is savvy. Special teams is thinking. So, I mean, for Jerry Jones to say after a game was just kind of stunning. I just, I, I wasn't expecting that at all, especially after he hasn't been that way after any other losses that have obviously been disappointing. I'm looking at you, New York Jets. Um, and so for him to sit there and, and just, and it, the thing was that he wasn't walking away. Either. Like he wanted to talk about this. Like it's, it's the most angry Jerry Jones has been after a game this season. Well, you know, he's the general manager too, you know, and you know, whether, whether he feels like his roster is the best or, you know, I mean, he has to feel like that, you know, Hey, I put this thing together and, you know, with the help of Jason Garrett and the coaches, you know, they keep talking about, you know, core special teams guys. They keep talking about guys that, you know, that they're going to rely on and, and they really can't rely on some of these guys. They just can't, they can't rely on them to make enough plays and, you know, and overcome any types of problems. You know, this kickoff return unit has been a disaster. The kickoff coverage team has been a disaster. You know, uh, Chris Jones, I mean, some of his punts have been not good. We've, we talk about the field goals. You know, it's just one thing after another that just drives you absolutely nuts. And in this particular way, time, it, it costs you a football game. This, the special teams was not good enough today, and it ultimately cost you a game. Well, you know, I think also some of Jerry's frustration there, I think, you know, obviously it is immediately about today, but I think it's the Minnesota game and what happened against the Jets. Sure. 
and getting ran on. I think all I think it's all of it together. And I think it's the Atlanta game with Chaz Green two years ago. Yeah. I mean that's stuff he hadn't forgot about all that. And that's stuff well, the common denominator with all that, whether it's fair or not, yeah. it is Jason. Yeah, but KT, he doesn't have that many campaigns left. And again, I'm not trying to be morbid guy here. Yeah, sure. But he's to an age where he's like, listen, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And he's sitting there thinking, he yeah, says, it's been I ain't got time years. to have a bad time. That's what his quote is. I ain't got time to have a bad time. Yeah. He's like, he's like, calls out a Jerryism. Yeah. So the sexy thing, the sexy thing to do these days is go to get like a real young head coach. I know generally it's an offensive mind or whatever. Man, I was thinking about this, and I'm not making this podcast about this. Okay, we're going to get right back to the game. <laughs> but I was sitting there thinking about this, and I was sitting there going, man, even if they did get rid of Jason, he's probably going to bring in Jack Del Rio or something. Like, he ain't going to have time. He's not going to bring in some some young guy. And I'm not saying some young guy's the answer, by the way. I'm not saying that. But it's, it's, it's going to feel very retread, whoever you bring in. Like – it may not be better than Jason. It'll just be different than Jason. I don't think Jerry's. I don't think Jerry's going to hire someone like and sit through their, uh, have the patience to sit through them learning how to be a head coach like he did with Jason. Well, I'll tell you what, though, guys. I, you know, to me, I make a run at Lincoln Riley. I really do. I'm thinking about yes. offensive. I'm thinking about offensive football. But if you're Lincoln Riley, why would you not? And maybe this is for another podcast for another day. But why would Lincoln Riley not take a look at this opportunity? He's a young coach. Say he say he flames out like Nick Saban did after two years, you know, or he flames out like Steve Spurrier. He goes and gets another job because he's a young guy. He ends up at John's place at Florida State or someplace <laughs> like that. Hell, he sure. might end up at LSU. Who knows? But if you're, you know, why not go for the guy you want to go for? Why not make a hard run at somebody? There's no reason to settle for Jack Del Rio or Norv Turner. Or any John of these Fox. other retread coaches you wanna you wanna bring up. I mean, I, I understand about learning and all. Give me the guy that's gonna a give Dak the bre- the best chance to succeed, and take the talent, the Amari Coopers, the offensive line, the running game, and, and marry that and make it. You know, it's one of the best offenses in the league. But it's there's times when it's been really really inconsistent. You know, that today being one of them, they they met up against a good team. But if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm not afraid to go out and make a run at Lincoln Riley. And I'm and I'm Lincoln Riley. I'm not afraid to maybe take the Dallas Cowboys job because if I know if I do get fired, I'm a young enough man, I will get another job somewhere else. Are there are, are there any concerns of Jason Garrett going to the Giants and continuously beating you? Yeah, but you know what? That's Jason Garrett's proven that he can go win division games. So I guess if you're the Giants. You know, and that and that that's fine. If that's Jason Garrett's side leaking out about him and the Giants and all that, great, go for it. You know, I have no problem with that. It's pretty smart, to be honest. Well, you know, you it's, know it might be it might that. be one of the reasons why Jerry Jones is so pissed off right now. You know, oh, that's interesting. All of a sudden, he's got guys reaching out to him like, "Hey, Jerry, you see Jason in this New York Giant thing?" You know, it's all along. Jason Garrett has probably felt like, you know what? I've given you some division titles here, you know, but, you know, you haven't shown any love or respect for me. Well, wait a minute. He gave you 10 years, Jason. You know, he's given you a lot longer. I mean, they're talking about firing coaches after one and two years now. Yeah, you get you got 10 years. Oh, OK, but maybe he this is why maybe winning. this is why I think that that maybe that Jerry Jones is pissed off. 
because he's having to hear that, answer those questions, and then he gets a game where he you know, felt like he probably had a good chance of winning today, and he didn't do it because the guy who's talking about the New York Giants job uh, didn't do his job for the Dallas Cowboys. That's spicy, man. I like it. That is some good I like stuff that, that a lot. just brought up right there. That's really good. Now let's get back to the game. <laughs> okay. 13-6, Patriots lead. Cowboys had the ball. They get the 59-yard play to Cobb. Really good play design. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but Cooper's guy was running across, and then uh, Cooper was running across, and then uh, Cobb was running across the left side on the deep crosser, and then Jonathan Jones just got picked off by Cooper running across. Yeah. So was, I think it was an unintentional pick play, but it might have been intentional. Uh, but either way, it worked. 60 yards to Cobb. They have to settle for the field goal right there as it's fourth and seven. Ball is at the Patriots' 12-yard line. Fourth and seven. Scores 13-6. I think the analytics would say that it was about even right here. To me, 18%. you have to look at the game. Yeah. It was 18% to 15%. It was going to be tough to get on fourth and seven. I think we all acknowledge that. Yeah, Yeah, especially in those weather conditions. You have to factor that in. If this is some game where Dak's throwing for 350, he's already got three touchdowns, you're just kind of like, and it's a high-scoring game, yeah, sure, roll the dice. But like just the weather conditions, how bad they were, it was so hard for them to get anything. And then you're deep in their territory anyway, so they they have the end zone behind them helping them out as another defender. I mean, it just... It just I don't know. I, I I didn't like I didn't like the idea that everybody was second guessing that that particular play after the and plus your defense was playing pretty well. There's a chance you're probably gonna get the ball right. back. Well then I like this. I thought everyone was gonna agree with me here. Okay. Well here's where my thought was. My thought was this is the closest you've been to the end zone all game long. Preach. And looking at it, are you going to get a three and out? You really hadn't got many yeah. of those in the second half. Yeah. Uh even if the Patriots do, the Patriots have shown even like you saw it on that drive where they had 12 plays and 38 yards, they haven't shown that they could sustain a drive for yardage. They've shown that they could get some first downs, but they didn't show you that they could go 70 yards down the field. So my thought was you put your nuts on the line, you go for it, and if you don't get it, you told your defense, get me a stop and get me a ball back and we'll try it again. Yeah. Because I didn't see the Patriots going much less 90 yards for a touchdown 50 yards to get into field goal range. I'm not sure I really saw that happening. So I was all about going for it. It was the close. You were going to have to get a touchdown anyways. And I didn't like your odds of getting that close to the end zone again with six minutes remaining. That's where I stood on that. And that's where I still stand. And at some point it does kind of reek of Jason Garrett playing it the conservative way once again. Yeah, John, that's I, really where was, John I, I love you as a brother and I respect what you said. Me too. There. But that to me right there was, was the, was something I talked about this earlier. I talked about it in our pregame show today on the radio that to me, you were going to have to do something different in this game. You were going to have to find a way to be unconventional with how you were going to play the game because the guy on the other side of the field was going to make you have to do things that you really don't want to do. And to me, that, that I, I didn't see the Cowboys getting down there again. I, I just didn't. You know, And even though they got the opportunity, the ball got – put it back, but they didn't get it a stop. They didn't get a three and out right off the bat, you know? So now all of a sudden the Patriots are, are moving the ball and then they get you down, pinned down to where you're going to have to come out. You know, I, I felt like to me, if you're, if you're going to not get that and you trust your defense, it's like, okay, we're going to go for it here on fourth down and I'm going to, but defense, I trust you to get a stop right here. I think K- KT's right. 
you know, them having to drive the football, I, I just don't think that was the really the, the, the best thing for them to have to do. But to me, I'm going to put the ball in my best player's hands. I said this earlier, Dak Prescott's my best player. I'm going to give him an opportunity to try and go and convert that. Now, I'm also clicking over to Kellen Moore and saying, hey, listen, early in the, in the six, I'm thinking about it going forward on fourth down here, man. So just do what you have to do to make sure that we can get, uh, you know, if we have to run on fourth down or get a fourth down play, that we can make this thing manageable. But by the way the sequence went, they really couldn't, He, you know, he got caught in that situation. Well, fourth and seven, that's a little too long for me, you know, in these conditions and all. So, but if he would have let that, if he would have let Kellen Moore know earlier in the sequence, hey, I'm thinking about going for it on fourth down, man, if you get there, you know, and that, and that maybe dictates, maybe that makes Kellen Moore call his plays a little bit. I didn't like the reverse and stuff that they ran down there, you know, the, the, the mile, uh, the miles, Austin, the Tavon Austin reverse. I didn't thing. either. Yeah. I mean, is, to me, that, that was a waste. Jared's- that was a waste call. Yeah. I was talking to Jared Sandler during that game. Yeah. Uh, you guys know Jared Sandler. Right? Yeah. And he goes, Jason Garrett's like the guy who tries to make the joke after it's not funny anymore. Yeah. And that's what he's calling. Now, I don't know how Jason got blamed for that reverse, but it's in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about scheming a game and things like that. Sure. It really did kind of feel like that. Kind of late to the party a little bit on that joke right yeah. there. Yeah. He's the guy who's still raising the roof, you know, <laughs> yeah. 20 years after. No one raises the roof anymore. Uh, Jason's still raising the but roof. But see, that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, to me, that's where that's where Belichick Stupid. is different than most coaches, you know. And I'm not, I'm not acting like I know all the coach, you know, patterns in the league. But this is where Belichick, you know, it, it wasn't a battle with Jason Garrett and Bill Belichick today. It was a battle of the coordinators versus Bill Belichick. You know, it was Chris Richard versus Bill Belichick. It was... It was, uh, you know, it was Kellen Moore versus Bill Belichick. You know, that's where you need, you know, because he's going to, he's going to manage the game for his side. You know, he's going to do what he has to do to make sure that his team has the best chance to win. Where your guy is not going to do that. You know, he's not going to, you know, uh, click over and say, hey, listen, man, you've got two downs to get this thing. Let's make sure we get it done. You know, that's, that's where there's a big, big, big difference. You know, again, a guy winning a lot of Super Bowls, playoff games, all t- one of the all-time winning his coaches, and then the other guy fighting for his job and coaching like, you know what, I I, I probably shouldn't be on the stage with Bill Belichick. You know, that's what I – I did, And because yeah. of that is why I, d- I just didn't have any faith in them converting fourth and seven. Now, you guys are looking plays ahead in that, and I guess maybe I should have done that, and I'm not thinking of it that way. I'm just thinking of that particular play. I don't even care what the percentages are. Like, just knowing what how that team plays – in the red zone like that, the weather conditions, what little success anybody really has against them. I heard something during the game that like Golden Tate is like the only wide receiver to even have a touchdown against this Patriots secondary this year. I just, I, I just didn't have, I had no faith that they were going to get seven yards on fourth and seven. Well, how did you have faith that they were going to even, even then come back down the field and get another opportunity to score a touchdown? You know, why I did. The only reason I did, and, and I didn't have a lot. I didn't really have faith they were going to win the game. The only reason I did is because of like the play, like the Golden Tate. I thought if. If you had a play where you could kind of get, you know, down the field, there was there's more space that maybe you can hit some big one, uh, whether it be to some because there was that one time earlier in the game where they kind of had that cover zero 
And if Michael Gallup catches it, there's like tons of green grass behind him. I thought maybe there was a chance that they could hit a big one. Like the closer they got to the end zone, literally the more I was like, they're not scoring a touchdown here. I don't know why. Maybe I overrate the the Patriots and and them playing in Foxborough and all that. But I just, I never had any faith that they were going to get seven yards as close as they were. No, no. You guys were right in your predictions in the last podcast. You guys talked about how this game could very well play out. But yeah, I mean, to me, you know, here's a team. They they gave you 19% on third downs. You got 15 for the day. So, I mean, I'm just thinking I've got to do something now. I'm reacting to this now. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, a field goal. Well, you know, that, it, does me, it does me no good. It just did me no good because ultimately what happened, well, yeah, I mean, you had, a, you had an opportunity there at the end of the game. But, you know, you, you know who's, like you said, who you get down there and, you know, you're, you're on third down defense again or, you know, red zone defense again, you know. And so I – I just wish he would. I wish he would have trusted Dak Prescott to make a play, even though Dak Prescott didn't play one of his best games. I'll just let hindsight speak for it. I'd rather take my chance at one play from the twelve-yard line than them with putting together a ninety-two-yard drive when they hadn't moved the ball. Then. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's a little different. If they'd moved the ball, you know, then maybe I feel a little no, different. No, you're, like you're John absolutely right. Earlier. But yeah. okay, in your guys' yeah. scenario, but, you know, though, in your guys' scenario, though, all you're doing is tying the game. I still don't see. I still no, don't no, even I think know. they're winning the game. But I guess <laughs> even if they get a touchdown there, I still don't think they're winning the game. No, I agree with you. I agree, but but much like they needed to get a touchdown either way, they were also going to have to get a stop either way. Sure, yeah. no matter what, like to win the game. So, like your odds to to me, I would rather just try to tie it at thirteen than try to play the nine to sixteen card. Yeah, and I just it felt like a lot to squeeze in. And it uh, again, that was their first time, I think, that they were in the red zone all game long, I believe. Uh, and if I'm mistaken on that, it was close to that. Uh, they, you know, that's kind of where I kind of stand is like, hey, man, we're knocking on the door here and we hadn't been here all day. We think we're going to get back here. We think we're going to pull off another 60 yard play. Like, I don't think I didn't see that happening. So to me, it kind of felt like get it then. But, you know, look, that's a decision you can talk about for days. And that's not the end all be all. There's always a huge story to all of it. They do get a stop eventually. The Patriots get a couple first downs. Cowboys take over on their own eight-yard eight yard line, and then there's the tripping call on third and one. Disagree. Hey, can I call, say something about the tripping call, please? Can I yeah, say just yes, that? absolutely. Okay, if you want to question really Jason Garrett, Kellen Moore in this whole sequence of the third and one call, the tripping, why put Travis Frederick in a position where he might trip? Why not just run the damn ball there and get the first down? You know what I'm saying? I liked I, – I mean – I. I guess there's a part of me, though, that was thinking if it's third and one and the Patriots think you're going to run, you know, man, I'm basically I'm changing that play, giving me what look the Patriots give me. But if the Patriots are loading up the box there or something like that to try to stop the run on third and one, then I've wanted to go to the air. Well, you, could, I don't know you, could have, you could have spread them out if you wanted to. You could have gotten a 11 personnel yeah. and spread them out and, 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 and just ran the ball. Run the run the, the run Zeke up inside, run, pull the ball, run Dak, you know. To me, no, you're right. to me, you know, to me, that's one of those things where you're getting cute. Now they they complete the ball. I get it. They complete it. They get they get Zeke in the flat. But but by you know maybe you could sure you could have got a holding call instead of a tripping call. But I mean, how many times have we seen that happen where all of a sudden you run a play and it's instead of just getting the first down and keeping the drive going, you get you you do something that okay now you're in a situation where. 
oh, well, you get the tripping call or you get a holding call. And then now it's third sure. and 11. You know, to me, that's there's more there's less danger just getting the first down and then playing from there than it is throwing the football. You know, that that's 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 kind of the problems I have. You know, get the first down. Now go. Now start. Now get into your offense a little bit. But to to throw the ball there on third down and one, you know, when your your back has been hammered and in there pretty good, you, you just you put them in a situation where the line, you know, got a penalty. I I, that, I question that call. That was a call that bothered me a lot. Just run the ball, get the first down, and then play from there. You know, keep the drive going. And they just didn't do that. Is there anything else you you guys want to weigh in on a little bit? I mean, that's kind of the, the tripping call. Kind of the end all be all. They uh, the incomplete pass to Cooper. Cooper almost caught it. Ball hit the ground clearly, and then the Cowboys couldn't stop the run there. Um, yeah, it just wasn't Cooper's day. You know, not sure. I mean, he just he makes he makes a diving play, and he just couldn't get his arms underneath it. You know, we've seen him make a bunch of big plays, but that was that was a bad day at the yard for him. You know. Yeah. And it was a bad day at the yard for Dak, and it was, you know, Zeke was okay. I mean, I thought Zeke had some good, tough runs, but I mean, he averaged four yards a carry. You know, overall, there were a couple big chunk plays. The third and 20 play was very annoying, you know, when the, yeah. for that to, to sit in. And the Patriots had, you know, more chunk plays than the Cowboys had. But, you know, overall, it's not like I felt like the Patriots beat you up and down the field. It's the details and the little things. And – that's why I predicted the Patriots to beat the Cowboys because the details and the little things. That's yeah, exactly. Sure. I know you guys, you guys were right about that. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, you know, if you'd have gone in this game and you're telling me that uh, Jacoby Myers is going to be the star of the game for the Patriots, you know, I'm like, okay, who's, who's Jacoby Myers? Yeah. You know, tell me more about him. <laughs> yeah. Know? Tell me, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jacoby Myers. But you know what? That, that's, that's just, that's a that's a shame right there. Again, and I understand. I it hurts. Get it. I think, yeah, it, it hurts because you know they're down. They're down some of their personnel. Their quarterback hadn't been playing great. He'd been frustrated with the offense. You know, I mean this this Patriot team. I I have a question for you guys real quick, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, is this Patriots team good enough to win the Super Bowl because with their offense? A hundred percent, no doubt about it. Because because you know how they can win it. They can they can do the exact same thing they did to win the last the last year's Super Bowl and the same thing that they did today to beat to beat the Cowboys. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was saying with their offense the way. Yeah, so because they, because their- they can shut down any team to where all you need to score is 13, 14 points, and you can beat there teams 14 okay. to seven, 14 to ten. They're going to have all these games at home throughout the playoffs, and then they'll play somebody in Miami, and 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 that'll be the game where all of a sudden you know James White has. 10 catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. And you're just like, how did this sure. team score 21 points? I just, with Belichick's over there, I, I tweeted this today and I, and I believe this in my heart. The most terrifying thing in football today is literally when Bill Belichick is on that sideline and he pulls out that little pencil and he starts jotting down little notes because you just know that the, this mastermind is at work and he's going to figure it out. It doesn't matter if you're down and you're in the Super Bowl and you're down 28 to three. As long as Belichick is on the other sideline and Brady's healthy, Absolutely, I, I think they can still win the Super Bowl, even without Good having point. any of these weapons. Yeah, well, because I think it's going to have to be like eighty-five Bears or <laughs> Ra- two thousand Ravens or something like that, you know, or Buccaneers. The Buccaneers when they won it, I think that's what they're going to have to be like. Because I, I you, you, and I think you're right. I think their defense is that good. 
I just don't know about their offense, but maybe their offense doesn't have to score a bunch of points. Brian, you know? Brian do you guys, you guys think that this Cowboys offense is close to or better than the Rams offense last year that the, that the Patriots shut down in the, in the Super Bowl? I think it. I think if you look at the offensive line, the weapons, the the running game, yeah, I think so. This quarterback was an MVP candidate coming into this game. You know what I'm saying? I don't so, think it's as consistent as that Rams offense was last year. I, I don't know. But if I do think. I, don't know I do think. Right. I think you're right about that. I mean, I told you this. This this team made it. I mean, they had 167 plays of 10 yards or more coming into this game. You know, this team makes big plays. The offense isn't the problem. I mean, in the end, the offense is not the problem here. It was, it was today, today. But that was going to be tough for no matter who played in that game. It's going to be tough to move the ball. And, yes, in the end, you need to make the plays, but it's the other stuff, man. It's the other stuff. There's there, there's a great chance the Patriots don't score a touchdown in that game if that blocked punt doesn't happen. Yeah. There's a really good chance. And we're talking about a team who just lost to the Saints earlier this year, too, where the Saints didn't score a touchdown. Right. Like, you know, it, that's at some point you end up on the winning side of these things. And I, I just, it goes back to the top, man. It goes back to the top. I, I, the top I don't is disagree. a coach. The top is disagree. a coach who, again, I've, I, I regurgitate this stat until it changes. He is a head coach that loses to winning teams. I mean, I think the winning percentage is like, he's like a 300 head coach against winning teams. And maybe I need to go find the specific number on that since I am on the athletic, a very nice subscription website. It it is funny too that you say it because whenever I think of them playing other really good teams, they always just seem to be very vanilla with whatever they do. They get conservative. And I think that there's no better example of how you beat a, a really elite team like the Patriots than really you want to talk about a single play. It really is that Philly special. Like, I don't know that the Eagles even win that Super Bowl without that. But to beat a team like this, you got to come up with something like that outside no the box. Question. And I just, I just, I would be stunned. Like, you want to talk about them converting on fourth and seven down there? Can you imagine if they would have ran some type of Philly special play right there and, and, and scored a touchdown? Because I can't imagine this ever happening with this team. His record yeah. against winning teams, I'm trying to find the number here. I know I'm close because I'm telling you, like, Bill Belichick's record against winning teams. This is from this is from the stat is from a month ago. To be fair, though, like he's it's a six thirty win percentage. Now again, this is a month ago, so take away what's ever happened in the last month. Garrett's record against winning teams is three sixty seven win percentage. He's sure. covering in Ron Rivera territory. He's Marvin Lewis. Sure, dude. it's just what it is. It's fine. It's fine. It's just what it is, and it's time for something new. And I think today is uh, as close as we're going to see now. Uh, it's an issue, and we will spend more time when we come back in a few days and preview the Bills. That's a Thanksgiving episode, and that's an eight and three Buffalo Bills team who has a good defense, a defense who yeah. shut down the Patriots and gave Tom Brady hell earlier in the year. Uh, you think things are bad now, and you think Jason Garrett's looking himself in the mirror and thinking about this job now? Boy, go lose that game at home on Thursday against Buffalo and see if the world's ending. I I want to real quickly comment on this. I know we've been on for an hour and we'll get going. John's at, in Boston um, <laughs> and it's been a late night. It's been a late night for you. Uh, Philadelphia looked like garbage today. Seattle didn't have a ton offensively, but they got the running game going, made one big you know, trick play to kind of get in the end zone to get that win. It was 17-9, I think, the final score. 
Carson Wentz looked like garbage, but he was without Jeffrey, without Aguilar, without Jordan Howard. He, he was missing some weapons. But man, I'm telling you, I start I pulled up the schedule and you just sit there and go, Well, the only tough game they have left is the Cowboys in week sixteen, because they're gonna get the Dolphins, they're gonna get the Giants twice, and the Redskins. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are gonna get a Rams team who plays the Ravens on Monday night football, but we'll see what the Rams are. They're six and four and in the mix. They're trying to make the playoffs. Go to Chicago. Where you think weather conditions were bad today? Well, maybe weather conditions are bad in Chicago in a month. And then you've got, you know, obviously the Philadelphia game and you'll have the Giants again. But, like, it, it's uh, – Don't one sleep of, on the Bills either, KT. Don't sleep on the Bills. And I will not sleep on the Bills because that's kind of my point through all of this is, like, that Eagles schedule. It's it, it, it Basically, right now, it's a race to 10 games to win this division is what this thing yeah. is. With the Cowboys 6-5. Yeah. and five, the Eagles are five and six, and I just looked at the Cowboys' schedule, and I go, "Do I think they're going to go four and one?" No, I don't. So they haven't proven they can go win all these games, and that's why that Minnesota loss hurts. And I, it's just I don't I don't think they make the playoffs, guys. And I'm not being emotional here. I just think I've talked about it all year. Once the Eagles get to that point where they have five games left, it is cakewalk city, and maybe Saquon Barkley gets shut down and. You know, like they, some of these teams who are kind of not tanking, but, you know, maybe not trying to win at the hardest. And they're, they're setting guys out who are hurt and things like that. And this this is – today's loss has paved the way for the Eagles to backdoor this thing and win the division. But maybe it all comes down to December 22nd, and maybe that's what we can hope for. We shouldn't yeah. be hoping that that's the case, but I think that's where we're at right now. Well, the Eagles have tried to give you this division, but you didn't want to take it. So, yeah, that's uh, you are what you are right now. And, you know, I mean, I, I again, you said it a bunch of I watched a lot of that game day with the Eagles. Carson Wentz looked really bad. I mean, yeah. really bad. And so, you know, let's let's see if uh, you know, let's see if this is something that, you know, he's banged up too, got his hand hurt today. So, you know, let's see if uh, let's see how that all plays out for him. I mean, I. I, I, I don't know how you can really trust the Eagles, but I don't know how you can trust the Cowboys either. So, yeah, yeah. First, one, first one to ten. You know, let's see how it gets there, though. John, famous last words from Boston? I have nothing to add. I think you guys pretty much uh, nailed it there. Um, yeah, no, I got nothing to add. I'm good. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's John Michaud, a very dejected after it's been a long day for him, and it's going to be a longer tomorrow because he's going to have to, you know, fly back home and all that stuff. But thank you, Father John, as always. We'll be talking to you soon to get ready for the Buffalo Bills. You can also hear John for the exclusive bonus episode later this week. It's the All-Decade Team episode, and it is free on The Athletic. It's going to be free for everyone or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, and then there's also Keep Your Eyes Open, everyone, for a special Black Friday deal coming soon where you can save even more than the 40% off your subscription. So a very special Black Friday deal. If you're thinking about subscribing to The Athletic, obviously we had Brian Broaddus guesting on this episode and the last episode. Very nice of you, Brian, for, for joining on with us. Thank, Thank you, you Brian. for your time as well. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me here. Really. Always Thank a you. pleasure. Thank you, Kit Garrison, for keeping it tight and uh, producing, as you always do. You are the Jedi Master of this thing. Um, no, I, I think you said Broadus was the Jedi Master earlier. Are you the Obi? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Kent. What are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was making a Mandalorian reference because it's really topical right now. I haven't but, seen uh, it. But yeah, I'll go with Obi. Yeah, there you go. Obi Wan Kenobi. All Obi-Wan. right, fine. You can have that, or you can be Layla. It's really up to you. Um, Leia or Layla? <laughs> Leia, yeah. <laughs> Le- Layla is a song by uh, Derek and the Dominoes, KT. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, what time is it? Um, <laughs> time for you to sign off, KT. All right, everyone, have a great time and be on the lookout for our Bills preview episode as well as the Black Friday deal and the All Decade Team episode for free. For Kent, for John, for Brian, I'm KT. The Cowboys are six and five, and things are looking very gloomy. Let's get ready for the Bills. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye. Yeah. No problem. Hey, John, take care. Safe travels home, buddy, man. We'll see you. All right. See you guys.